We are in the middle of or coming to the end of a series that is entitled Belonging, and what we are doing is we're looking at the core values and the mission and the vision of Crossroads Church. This is something that we came up together with three years ago. Uh, we spent some time as a church praying and discerning and in conversation in large groups and then even in a small, more leadership-intensive groups to come up with these core values regarding what it is that God has for us in this new season of life here at Crossroads Church. Crossroads Church has been around for like almost 120 years. So there's been a lot of seasons in the 120 years that Crossroads has been here. It, sometimes of real fruitfulness and sometimes of harder things. I mean, that's just, that's just life, right? Whether it's a church or it's an individual, that's the way it is. We see these seasons in our calendar. We have, you know, winter, spring, summer, fall. Uh, some seasons we like better than other seasons, but how we live out life may be different in each area. Parenting is really the same. Uh, you parent your kids differently when they're babies than with their adults. Maybe some of your adult kids act like babies, but you still can't just shove a bottle in their mouth and put them in the crib. You may want to do that, but uh, there are different seasons. Uh, the Bible uses the idea of seasons often, especially because it was an agricultural society. You have the tilling of the soil, and with, which references to the heart, preparing the heart for the planting of the seeds, and you got to weed out some stuff on occasion. Then there's a harvest, and you know Paul talked about this in First Corinthians that he planted and Apollos watered. It's it's that mindset. Luke even says that uh, in Luke chapter ten, verse two, that right now the harvest is plentiful. But the laborers are few. So we're to pray the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers. It's, it's time for the harvest. And we heard a little bit about that from our Sturgis people going. And we'll hear more about the harvest in the next two weeks as we hear from uh, our, our missionaries coming up. As we've talked about our core values and our mission, I've encompassed it in this idea of belonging. And my definition of belonging is being known and still being loved. I mean, that, that second part is the most important, right? I mean, we're all known, but belonging means that I am not only known, I am loved. Uh, Matthew, our youth director, and I know I'm going to say it wrong, but often on Wednesday nights when he starts out his youth ministry, he begins by telling each of the kids, by telling them in fr from front that you are welcome here and God loves you. Now, Matthew can straighten out what exactly he says, but it's along that line. The point is, you are welcome here. You belong here. God loves you. We love you. You belong. Two weeks ago, we talked about healthy belonging, and that had to do with our core values. And our core values, as you see them up on the screen, are God's Word, love, transformation, fellowship, being Spirit-led, Worship and prayer, going, this is what makes us healthy. If we pay attention to these things on a regular basis, we will be a healthy church. And so that's, that's part of our desire. We, we looked at Acts 2.42 where, um, where Luke writes that uh, they devoted themselves, 
And that word devoted could be interpreted as persistently obstinate. They were persistently obstinate about God's Word, about fellowship, about breaking bread or joining together for a meal. Last week we talked about belonging that impacts, that's our mission. Our mission is impacting people with the love of Jesus on the journey of life. We, we talk about it often, and it's, this is important. This is our promise to the world. Hey, world out there, we, we're, this is how we're going to impact the world by the love of Jesus. We're going to love you like Jesus loves. Again, in Acts 2, as we get down to verse 47, it's interesting, Luke writes these words, and God added to their number daily those being saved. It's because the church was healthy, it's because they were loving each other, and they were loving the world around them. People were longing to be a part of what God was doing there. Today we're going to talk about our vision, and our vision answers the question, where, where are we going? What is the preferable future? Five years, ten years down the road, what what are we shooting for? What's our target? About uh, 15 years ago or so, I uh, took a job at Church of the Open Door in Maple Grove, and we were moving from St. Cloud to Maple Grove, and we sold our house to St. Cloud. We rented for a little while as we were trying to find a house. We found a house in 2007, but the process of finding that house is we went to, began looking for houses. We, the first house we went to was this house. It was the size we wanted. The yard was what we wanted. But it was like in really tough shape. I mean, it was a mess. And so we walked through it, and we thought, yeah, this is a lot of work. And so we left. And then we went and looked at other houses. But as we looked at other houses, anything we could afford was really small. And so what we wanted for size in yard was over here, but it was a mess. And anything that was maybe smaller. So after we went and saw a bunch of houses, it came down to, yeah, that first one we saw. Um, maybe that's the one we have to buy. So we bought it. It was going into foreclosure. Here's what it looked like. Yeah, so uh, I'm just going to let them scroll. I had been years since the house had been painted. The family room, as you see there, was unfinished. It was added on to later, and it was unfinished. It became the owner's workplace. Windows had been replaced, which was nice, but none of the trim work or the insulation was done on the inside. Thankfully, the trim work was done, and it was sealed on the outside. There were holes in the wall. There were a couple of doors that had holes in it, uh, a couple of teenage boys, and there was a lot of stuff that had been going on in that house. We, we had to do a little prayer thing, too, before, you know. Uh, so there was not just the... Look at that one. Oh, you, you see that beautiful woman in there? Yeah. Um, the furnace and air conditioning we knew was going to have to be replaced within three to five years. And we bought the house in April. June came and the temperature outside increased to 90 degrees. We went to turn the air conditioning on and it didn't work. So we had to replace the furnace and air conditioning right away. 
on the back side of the house. We did have an inspector go through it, but we bought it as is because we're going into foreclosure. And on the back side of the house, it's this wood, uh, the siding is wood paneling. It's four by eight sheets of paneling with these uh, grooves in it. And there was a part where there was some wobbly things, so we knew there was some moisture stuff in there, and we knew that was something we're going to have to tackle. And so I hadn't been in, we hadn't been in the house long, and I, Saturday morning, I went around the backside and started peeling away, and oh man, what a mess. Water damage all the way through, insulation was bad. Thankfully, the floor joists were okay, and... Uh, we only had to replace a couple of studs, it got some help from somebody. So, um, got that done. We worked on it, remodeling, as any of you know, when it comes to remodeling, it's exhausting, it's tiring, and for us, we did as much as we could with the money we had and the time we had. Probably about three or four years into it, we kind of slowed way down because our kids got more involved in activities. We just didn't have time or money. And then um, I got hired by this church in Forest Lake. Maybe you've heard of it. It's called Crossroads. And also we had to sell. And so the push began. As you know, we, it took us a couple of years before we actually got moved here. We drove. Uh, and part of that was because we were trying to get this house... So look, I mean, we'd gotten rid of that paint. Yeah, there she is again. She always shows up. Um, so we hired a handyman to help us with some stuff. Got a guy named Marcus Carlson, you might have heard him, came and painted the house. His dad, Jerry, 80 years old, jumping on scaffolding. It was crazy. I don't know how he does that. So when we were done, um, uh, this is... Here, we're going to get it going. Here we go. This is what it ended up like. Yeah. Yeah, right? Look at that. Yeah, I put that fireplace in. I just want you to know. We love that house. God, I get, it's so sick and emotional in my old age. Of course, we spent 13 years there, and our kids went from being toddlers and graduating from high school there, so lots and lots of memories, lots of times hanging out in that family room. I mean, that that room's ginormous. We had lots of fun there. Um, It's amazing when you take the time and energy to restore something, how beautiful something that at once was ugly can now be beautiful. There's another kind of restoration, and this is the restoration that involves God and His creation. You see, you and I are image bearers, and God sent His Son Jesus into the world to restore us. You may feel like what our house looked like in the before pictures, But know this, God wants to do a restoration in you. It's already begun. If you've surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, it's already begun. Even if there's damage down deep inside from abuse when you were young or divorce or broken dreams or whatever it may be, 
God has sent his son Jesus into the world to bring restoration to your life. And you're not alone. There are millions and millions, I would even say billions of people around this world that need God's restoration. People are looking for something more out of life. They just need to meet Jesus. When Jesus was here on earth, Luke tells us in his writing of Jesus' life events that um, Jesus came into the temple and he was handed the scroll of Isaiah. And so he began to read from what we know as chapter 61. And he says these words, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Do you see the good news? Do you see the promise of restoration? Do you see old becoming new? We are living in the year of the Lord's favor For you and I, we are that poor person. And the good news is that we are now part of the kingdom of God. And in the kingdom of God, there's generosity and love and caring for each other. There is people helping people. There is, you are blessed to be a blessing. There are, it's not about some having and some not. It's about all of us coming together and being unified Or if you are one who feels imprisoned and maybe oppressed, there is freedom because of Jesus' death and resurrection. There is victory over sin. There is freedom from the bonds of sin. There is freedom from addiction. There's freedom from greed. There's freedom from whatever you're feeling oppressed by. But maybe you are blind. Maybe life is such a mess that you can't see beyond the mess. Well, Jesus has come to bring restoration, to bring healing, to give you sight to see beyond. You see, to walk in a house like our old house, you have to have vision. You have to be able to see beyond. And once we said yes to the house, and we began to move in, we began to see what that house could be. Jesus then rolled up the scroll, it says, as we continue in Luke, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began to say, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. This, this prophecy of Isaiah was fulfilled through Jesus Christ. But here's the cool thing. The story doesn't end there. There's more to this story. And so if we go to Isaiah, go to chapter 61 and actually read the prophecy, here's what we see. We see the first part that is what Jesus read. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, 
to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, that's all that we read, and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. And provide for those who grieve in Zion to give them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. These are the ones that are restored these oaks of righteousness, that's you, that's me. We are the oaks of righteousness. Jesus came to bring us restoration, to bring us freedom, and now we have become this planting of the Lord, and this is our identity. And then Jesus says this, they will rebuild the ancient ruins Restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities and have been devastated for generations. You see, here's the deal. You and I, we are now the restorers. Okay, we don't do it on our own strength. You know, don't, don't take me wrong there. But we are the oaks of righteousness and they, they, they are, the oaks of righteousness are the ones that rebuild, restore, renew. This is what we talked about last week in 1 John 4 when, it, when John says, we are Jesus in the world. Remember, Jesus came, he lived, he died, he resurrected, he ascended into heaven, and he sits at the right hand of God the Father. We are given the Holy Spirit, the Spirit resides in us, and now we are the ones to rebuild, restore, and renew. Paul talks about this too. He says this in 1 Corinthians 5, or 2 Corinthians 5. He said, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, restoration. The old has gone, the new is here. See that restoration, it's there. Oaks of righteousness. All this is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ. And, see this, gave us the ministry of reconciliation. We have been reconciled to God through Christ. Now, you and I are ministers of reconciliation. Then Paul goes on, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed us to the message of reconciliation. Basically saying the same thing. We have the message. It is up to us to bring restoration to the world. It's a crazy thing. God could just do it on his own. But for some reason, he has chosen to give that message and that responsibility to us. It's Matthew 28. Jesus, the Great Commission. Go and make disciples of all nations. God could just wave his hand and do it, but for some reason he's given it to us. We are the ministers of reconciliation. This ministry of reconciliation, this desire to rebuild, restore, and renew is the heart of our vision as a church. You see, our vision is this, that we want to be a Christ-centered, faith-filled community 
being transformed as we encounter God's love, being equipped to serve according to God's gifting, or the Spirit's gifting, being intentional participants in God's restorative work, giving glory to God in all things. We desire to be a people that are being transformed. And we recognize that transformation happens as we encounter God's love. And we want to equip people to do the work, to serve according to how God has gifted them. And we know that this restorative work has to be intentional. So we want to be people who are being intentional participants in God's restorative work. And all of this is for God's glory. This means to be intentional participants in God's restorative work means this. It means I'm going to intentionally pray for my coworker, my fellow students, my neighbor, family members who don't know Jesus. I'm going to intentionally pray for them. I'm, I'm going to intentionally connect with a coworker, a neighbor, a fellow student. I'm, I'm going to invite them over to dinner. I'm going to have coffee with them. I'm going to, when I see them outside or I see them walking the hallway at work, I'm going to intentionally engage in conversation with them. It means I'm going to intentionally ask the Spirit of God to show me in this day, who do you want me to impact with the love of Jesus? And all of that we do for the glory of God. So what do we do with this? What, what's the application for us thinking of our vision? Especially as we think of our core values and our mission and our vision all together. Well, if you remember last week, I asked you to write down one or two or three names of people that you know that need to hear the message of Jesus Christ. They need to be impacted by the love of Jesus. So that's the first step. You, you should have those one, two, or three names written down. Now start praying for those. Start, start praying for opportunities. And so each day, pray. Pray this. God, would you give me an opportunity to engage in a conversation with blank today? Whoever it may be. If it's somebody at work. If it's a neighbor. God, give me an opportunity to engage in conversation with whoever today. The second thing that you can do is this. Begin to notice people at work. Do you see a need? This is the hardest part. We're so busy. We're, just, we're cruising along with our life. We, we're, we're in this lane. To be intentional participants in God's restorative work, we need to do this. Whoop! We need to look. We need to see. We need to notice. And then it's ask the Holy Spirit to show you how you can meet that need. If you see a need, you just go, Spirit, what do you, what do you want me to do here? And then here comes the hardest part. Just do it. It really is. This is the hardest part. We often encounter people in need and we're so busy we don't see and when we see we get an idea of maybe I should help that person but a lot of times we uh, reason ourselves right out of it. There is um, some study on the brain. I like to read study on the brain and how our mind works and they've done tests 
And if you have an idea about something and you don't act on that idea within five seconds, your brain will tell you not to do it. Because our brain's focus is to protect us, keep us safe, and not let us get into any kind of trouble. So there's some wild and wacky idea like give somebody $100 that pops into your brain. If you don't act on it in five seconds, you're well, is that, is that me or is that the Holy Spirit? Well, I, you know, I really don't have $100. We're built to not do what the Spirit of God tells us to do. And by the way, when it's giving to somebody in need, we already know that's part of the kingdom of God. It's already, we already know that's God's will. So you don't have to ask, is this God's will for my life? When it means to help somebody. It's I can show you three or four places where it says God's will. Go to James. God's will. Help the orphans and the widows. It's God's will. So if you get a thought in your mind to give or to help, just do it. Imagine, people, if we became a restoration-driven church. What if our desire was to restore whatever is in this community? We find people in need and we were about restoration. How can we help them? How can we, we can minister to them? How can we bring, bring the reconciliation, the good news of Jesus Christ to these people? What if our focus was our towns? How do we bring restoration to Forest Lake or Wyoming or East Bethel or whatever, wherever it may be? What, what would that look like? Imagine if we began hearing stories from people who don't even come to Crossroads. Stories of, man, did you hear what so-and-so did? Or did you hear about Crossroads and how they did the Whatever it may be, imagine if when people thought of Crossroads Church in this area, they thought of a place that is engaged in their community, is loving people well, is bringing the message of reconciliation. Let us be a restoration community. Let's pray. First of all, Father, we <clears throat> want to say thank you out loud for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross and rise again so that we can be reconciled to you. Thank you for restoring us. Thank you for rebuilding us. Thank you for the work that you are doing in our lives. And now, Father, I pray that, that we would become a group of people who is being intentional and participating in, with you in what you are doing to restore our community and our world.
Empower us with your Holy Spirit. Help us to, to hear your Spirit. And not only hear your Holy Spirit, but obey and just do it. And in everything we do, whether it's word or deed, we give you the glory because you are the King of kings and you are the Lord of lords and you are the one who brings restoration. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.